The incredible thing about stress, worry, and fear is that they often mean you're so close. Dive in, swim through, and go look for more. Hello, hello, and welcome to the Sunday edition of Yelling at Birds. I'm Matt, and I'm ha very happy to have you here on this gorgeous Sunday. First of all, I wanted to wish a well-deserved congratulations to the United States women's soccer team, or the United States soccer team, on winning their second consecutive World Cup. Admittedly, I don't follow football too often, but it's still exciting to watch the best some of the best athletes in the world compete on the world stage and succeed. Two World Cups in a row. It's crazy. The amount of work, drive, and focus it takes is incredible, and I, I hope to have that in any aspect of my life at some point, as I wish the same for you. It's possible. Of course, we may not, may not all uh, have what it takes to become world-class athletes, or maybe we could with the right combination of drive and desire, but we can at least attain that level of performance in something. Whether it be your current profession, your current passion, or just living a good life in general. That's what this whole thing is about. You are the only person in your life... Pardon me. You are the only person living your life. And the responsibility is... I hope you're not the only person in your life. That would... I mean, unless you want that, unless you're just like off of people and then you're just, that's just you, then that's fine. But you're the only person living your life. And the responsibility is yours and yours alone to live it well or to, you know, live in a way that makes you happy, makes you proud. No one can do it for you. Uh, recently, I've been reading a book titled The Subtle Art of Not Giving a Fuck by Mark Manson. And I like, I kind of like how he puts responsibility or he looks at responsibility he separates he separates fault and responsibility which i think is an important distinction to make as you grow and develop i mean sure there's there's plenty of that happens in life um that isn't your fault and it's okay to state that something truly isn't your fault that it's bad luck or unfair but Manson makes the distinction that even when something truly isn't your fault, it's still 100% your responsibility um, to choose how, you, how you're going to proceed in your life, how you're going to move on from it. No one can do that for you. While fault may live and die in the, in the single occurrence or the single act, responsibility follows you as you continue to live. We make choices each and every day. And no matter what life throws at us, the choices we make are our own. So I was thinking about this Thursday night when I couldn't sleep. Um, it was around 1 in the morning, I want to say, uh, after a few hours of tossing and turning, and I just had to get out of bed for a bit, one of those nights. I can't say what was weighing on my mind exactly, but it was some combination of racing thoughts, of pulling ideas from those you may not fully agree with, the choices I made and how they could be categorized and what seems to be um, to be dramatic, what seems to be festering in the pit of humanity's soul, but more so in my, my own. And 
the unnecessary suffering that seems to be ever present in the world. Um, how we view our own life experience and the cleanliness of our own soul is a lens through which we look through as we think about the state of the world. So I started doing some reading on the seven, de seven deadly sins, as, as one tends to do when they can't sleep. And just kind of going through, and I'm just kind of looking up here. Yeah. Um, so, as a pretty normal thing that people do when they can't sleep. Um, but it's fascinating to me. So, while I'm no uh, theologian, theologian, or theologian, um, and I don't consider, I mean, I don't really consider myself to be religious, uh, religious history has always been fascinating to me. Especially when it comes to taking apart a story or an idea to see the lesson that was trying to be communicated of which there are many, there are tons in every religion. I know that for anyone in the world, walking into a sea of religion can, it can be a dangerous walk. Some might, might, may find it to be a lovely foot-deep pond that's nice to cool the feet once in a while, uh, comforting every now and then, while others might see it as an ocean with no bounds to its depth. And other people still, other people, um, may see the water that or for other people religion may be just a pool that turns into acid consuming them and those around them um where am i i consider myself just i consider myself to be on the beach watching the tide rise and fall relaxing at the sound of the waves lapping onto the shore and seeing it for the beautiful force of nature i think it to be learning from it respecting it and appreciating it but not really diving in. Not using it for my personal gain and not floating on it, hoping that it might someday carry me to where I'm supposed to be. The one thing that's guaranteed in life is death. This is all from that night, though, when I couldn't sleep. So I read a little bit, then I wrote all this, which is fucking me, I guess. Um... The one thing that's guaranteed in life, the only thing that's guaranteed in life, is death. And in that, in that death, suffering. Sometime in each and every one of our lives, we're going to lose someone we care about to inevitable death. Um, that's it. That's the only sure thing. And it's, I mean, I guess unless you don't have anybody, um, or you're maybe a psychopath, but even then... There's some sort of death that happens. Maybe a part of you, a death to like a part of you or part of who you were. Um, but that's it. That's the only sure thing. And it's as true for us as it is for every other human being on this planet. Things like success, joy, happiness, safety, love. These are, all, these are only hopes. Hopes that might be there for us someday if we do everything right. Um, I think that in and of itself should be suffering enough. That should be enough for us to do everything in our power to not introduce any additional suffering into the world. But we do it. In, we do it anyway. We introduce it on others, but most, but mostly, you inflict that additional suffering on yourself, on our souls, and our own life experience. Now, I say soul. I don't know. I'm not declaring. You know, whether the human has a soul or if it's just a field of energy, but it's just that that pit deep down inside of you that, that kind of gives you your feeling, your gut, your gut feeling. How do you feel kind of the energy you feel each and every day? Um, 
one way to categorize or more easily comprehend how we introduce this suffering is, I think, by way of the seven deadly sins. My intent in this episode and, and upcoming series is not really to pull or push anyone towards or away from religion. Um, but my intent is to view the teachings present in religion as something else, which, which may have been the original intent of religious teachings, teachings which may have been more philosophical in their origins, teachings that, instead of trying to prove the existence of an almighty creator, may have focused more on how to intentionally live a good life. And for the purpose of this series, I'm viewing God not as a creator, but as our soul existing in harmony, as heaven not as a destination in the afterlife, but represented here on earth, 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 <laughs> but represented here on earth as a life lived in peace, and the seven deadly sins not as a sin against a creator, but sins against our souls and self-imposed obstacles to a life well lived. Um, isn't a person living free of what those sins represent living a completely peaceful life and doesn't the feeling of living in peace and harmony with the world feel like heaven i mean maybe this is the original idea that was misused and bastardized over time as a way to control those viewed as knowing the path to heaven the path to peace which became um, those those viewed as knowing the path to heaven um, became those with the true power, and with that, the wealth and freedom. Uh, maybe in the beginning, what would become religion was merely an incredibly thoughtful set of ideals to live a good and peaceful life, as defined by, the, by that time. Not to go anywhere special after we're gone, but to live in a paradise of our own creation while we're here. In any case, through engaging in one or more of the seven deadly sins, it's to introduce unnecessary suffering into this world, if not on someone else, at the very least on yourself. So my question is why? That was a lot of talking. As, as podcasts tend to, tend to be, I suppose. Um, I wrote the above at about 2 a.m. this past Thursday, and afterwards I slept like a baby. That's kind of kind of something that brings me peace, is just kind of writing the stuff out, and now apparently putting myself through that twice and talking it out, which is super weird, by the way. Um, when you're writing something, it's obvi obviously just uh, you're vomiting your thoughts onto a piece of paper or onto a computer screen in front of you, and it's just kind of you in confession with yourself. But then, as I'm sitting here reading these words, they kind of, I don't know, there's judgment, there's... Uh, the fact that I know that other human beings are going to be on the other end of this listening both fill, fill me with a lot of joy and a lot of happiness, but also a lot of nervousness and dread because it's like, these are, what the hell are you doing, Matt? These words are just for you. And now you're sharing it with someone else. It's pretty, it's pretty selfish. Um, but it's something that gives me peace. Uh, and in the upcoming series, I'm going to, what I want to do is take maybe just not not a super in-depth but maybe like a wikipedia deep look at each of the seven deadly sins and how i brought them into my life 
the suffering each has brought me, but I also look at to see how each sin is is um, or what it represents and how it's represented in everyday life and imposed on our humanity as a whole. Now, do I have the answers on how to combat them in your life? Probably not. That's your own responsibility. I just know that the first step is realizing that something might be a problem. And I feel that understanding the pull that the seven deadly sins has in our life, in your life, um, understanding the pull, gaining the upper hand, and putting yourself in a position to construct your own morals is a huge step in living peacefully. So I'm going to get right into it. So after a word from me, I'll get into it. Let's start out with lust. Coming up after this. And we are back. Holy shit. So, um, <laughs> I'm, I'm this whole thing and there, maybe there's a better way to do this. I don't know. I'm recording, stopping, noise reduction, doing all this stuff kind of as I go along, as I do these little bits and pieces, unless it's one long piece and then I might split it up at the end. But anyway, the music in the intro, I was just playing YouTube. So the song was on, so I just kind of recorded it and then turned the volume down at the beginning. But when I do that, I don't push stop on YouTube, so that music continues to play. I can't hear it. You can't hear it. But when when um, I push stop on record and go to sample and see how it sounds, and I turn the volume up, YouTube's continuing to play. So lo and behold, Enter Sandman's playing, and it looks like it's playing in the back of the audio, audio file. So... I kind of feel like I just recorded Enter Sandman over the whole thing, which luckily I didn't, but I just had like a little mini like, huh, not like a heart attack or not anything like that. Just like, oh man, would have been 12 minutes of my life, but that's all right. On we move. That didn't happen. Uh, and then I found $20, but we're back. We're going to talk about, thought I'd get right into it instead of just leaving a break. And then, you know, after I got done writing this, I kind of felt like, Maybe I maybe it deserved a little bit more time and a little bit to be a little more, more thorough, but kind of went just went with it. So uh, we're here. We're going to talk about lusty perverts. Um, and since it's easier for me to do so, I'm just pulling most of this information off of Wikipedia. By most, I mean all. Um, and as stated earlier, you know, I'm not I'm not a scholar. I'm not a theologian. Um, so, but I feel the information that's provided on that page is thorough, thorough enough to express what I'm trying to say. Um, and on Wikipedia, it describes lust as a psychological force producing intense wanting or longing for an object or circumstance fulfilling the emotion. Lust can take any form such as the lust for sexuality, love, money, or power. It can take such mundane forms as the lust for food as distinct from the need for food. It's essentially seen across the board from all religions as an inappropriate desire for something that cannot be found within. In some religions, uh, noted in Christianity, there's a distinction drawn between lust and passion, where lust is viewed as immoral and passion being viewed as something God-given or moral. Um, I mean, it's hard to make any any changes in life or um, kind of any drastic changes without there being some form of, of lust or passion. 
passion for change, passion for justice, passion for, um, I mean, we're usually used to seeing that in a positive light where, you know, lusting for a sexual desire, lusting for a person, lusting for money, lusting for power is seen as just, uh, seen as immoral and negative. Um, in going through down the line in Buddhism, you know, obviously there's the four noble truths, Buddhism, lust, um, suffering is inherent to life. Suffering comes from desire. So lust causes suffering and it's something that can be eliminated, which is essential to living a peaceful life. Out of all the readings, I kind of like how Judaism put it is it put it as a man's misuse of the things which the physical body needs to survive. So then that does get into, you know, I mean, you need food to, for mankind to survive. You do need sex. You need to procreate. But it's the misuse of those things. Uh, in the current day, you know, you, you need resources. You need money. Um, I guess unless you're completely 100% self-sufficient. But you need money to uh, pay for goods and services. And the lust, so some desire for that is healthy, obviously. Uh, if those are the things that you want. But the, when it goes into an un, unhealthy desire or, or wanting for it, that's where lust comes in. Catholicism in Exodus 20.17, it talks of coveting, which every time I hear the word coveting, I think of Silence of the Lambs, of the Lands, which is a dead zone where you can't get any internet connectivity. But Silence of the Lambs is a movie. Um, coveting is kind of an important theme in that movie. But in Exodus, it says that you shall not cover. <laughs> cover. It says you shall not covet your number your neighbor's wife. You shall not covet your neighbor's house, or his field, or his male slave, or his female slave, or his ox, or his draft animal, or any animal of his, or whatever belongs to your neighbor. Obviously, I, well, I hope they're not talking about purely like wanting sexually all of these things. Maybe, maybe they are. Crazy, crazy times. Um, because when we think of lust, it's pretty common to think of it as mainly a sexual desire. An, an, inappropriate, an inappropriate sexual desire that one must be free of in order to live a pious life. But really, it's an unsettling jealousy that clouds your life. You're, the, I mean, the grass is always greener, keeping up with the Joneses. You're jealous of what someone else has, jealous of the life you believe them to be living, uh, jealous of the imaginary person having imaginary sex with that real person that you're interested in. At the end of the day, it's objectification on a massive scale that will do nothing but take away from and lessen the very real joys you already have in your life. What makes us difficult uh, what makes things difficult for us humans, I mean, not just in the present day, I know it seems like it's all around us now with social media and everything, but um, really it's been around forever. What makes us things difficult for us is um, that we're, we are, I mean, we are surrounded by it. In the modern marketing era, marketing and advertising era, uh, what's difficult is that lust sells, and they know it. Desire is a huge seller for us. Advertising generates an unhealthy desire for items we don't need or a life we wish we had. If we just had that one thing, 
my life would be better. And I'm guilty, very guilty. We all are. But that's kind of something that feels, I mean, it feels capitalism. It feels money. It feels profit for us is um, tapping into that desire in someone else. And I guess, you know, wanting a new shirt or wanting a new, uh, wanting to live in a house or wanting, you know, wanting certain things doesn't necessarily make it unhealthy. It's it's all about the amount of energy and time that that takes up in your life and kind of clouds your vision um, or your path. Recently, Mary Kondo's Netflix series, Tidying Up, it generated another type of lust, or maybe, or maybe it was a passion. It generated a wave of uh, viewers ridding themselves of items in their homes that no longer air quotes, spark joy, ridding themselves of waste. And, and what is waste but an accumulation of unnecessary things? Waste can be physical or it can be emotional. When the subjects of her episodes and the subsequent viewers who followed her advice rid themselves of that waste, they felt that their lives had been changed or they felt maybe unburdened by as much uh, chaos around them. Now, I admittedly, I haven't watched the series. I haven't, I've only watched a little part of an episode, but um, so she might have. But I hope that, I really hope that one aspect covered was the underlying cause of us accumulating, accumulating such an amount of waste. Because it's, you know, I've had friends on Facebook post pictures and there's YouTube videos and obviously the series of people. And, you know, you hear that, you know, rummage sales left and right. You hear that places like, donation centers being overwhelmed with donations which is all good but what kind of leads to that I mean I can look around my small apartment right now and see that the majority of what I own isn't needed be it and be it followed by this is a list of things that make me look good um, be it extra books that I have that they've already served their purpose uh, notebooks that I haven't opened for a decade with whatever in them clothes I haven't worn kitchen items unused and so on um, of course like I said Facebook and many other social media sites don't help as we tend to show only the best of ourselves on those sites um, it's really easy to get sucked into the lust into lust and jealousy when you're experiencing when you yourself are living a full life you're experiencing all the ups and downs all the joys all the disappointments and you go on Facebook and you see um, other people only representing the best th parts of their life. You see other people living nothing but their best life. Obviously, if we take time to think about it, we know that no one is living the quote-unquote perfect life. We all have joys. I mean, we all have joys, we all have sorrows, and most of the time we're all probably pretty bored. We probably spend most of our time bored, and that's that's life. Um, and I'm also guilty of the traditional sexual lust. You know, I've coveted. I have unhealthy sexual desires. I've committed unhealthy sexual acts. Maybe not you know, physically unhealthy, but emotionally. And the result's always the same. You know, we trade long-term, deeply felt peace for short-term, shallow pleasures because they're right there. They're simple. They're easy. Section, sex and sexual contact feels good. You know, buying a new thing feels good. Tidying up feels good. But unless these acts are in pursuit of an intentionally designed life, 
they're just band-aids they're just band-aids on the cracks and holes coming from something greater and something deeper that's missing and i guess i don't understand i no i guess i don't i don't have any answers as to how we fix this other than to continue just trying to do better uh, maybe asking yourself if what you're doing is serving the purpose of your life and maybe some of the items let's say let's take my place for example maybe some of the items that I've had had sitting around forever do still serve a purpose because when I do take the time to open a notebook filled with things I've written many many years ago I always gain some new insight from the person I was and it's that's an incredibly peaceful feeling a powerful feeling because um, we are constantly changing and if we take those little snapshots from five ten years ago um, it kind of it sometimes it's kind of cool to learn to see kind of how you've grown and developed as a person and maybe there's certain realizations that you're coming to today that you already knew I think a lot of the stuff, you know, there's some certain things that you're coming to understand today that you already knew a long time ago. You just have to live through it and experience different things to kind of prove it to yourself. I know I certainly uh, guilty of that, of needing to, of knowing what's right and wrong, kind of knowing what path I want to be on, but for some reason having to kind of go, th like really put myself in a position where I'm forced to stay on that path um, but the one thing I can say um, that's given me the most joy and put me at the most put me at the most ease is the realization that I had before starting this podcast and I think I maybe have mentioned it before and it's kind of the big reason for this podcast it took a long time to get here but one day I just realized that I have absolutely everything I need. I'm not wealthy. I don't have the latest and the greatest of everything. Um, hell, I can't, I can't even leave the apartment at the moment unless I'm at work. But I have food. I have an apartment. I have the around, I mean, thanks to the internet and books and everything, I have the opportunity to learn and grow no matter where I am. And uh, I have a medium in which to communicate and express myself. I really want for nothing. So everything else that happens to me or that I get above what I have at this very moment is nothing but a bonus. If I want to write, I write. If I want to express myself, I express myself. And I can talk to family and friends at will. Um, which I put in, probably shouldn't say that because I feel like I don't talk to family and friends as often as other people do so saying that I can do it at will might <laughs> make them feel bad but don't I love you all each and every one um, I, I mean one thing I wish I could travel a little bit more but I know that I don't need to and that this is a beautiful place to be somehow I mean somehow through all of the questionable choices I've made um, that friends and family have seen my, seen me put myself through. Um, I've managed to build a life where I'm doing or can do any and everything I need to do while still maintaining the ability to do what I want. Um, it's kind of, oh, this is an aside. Um, 
the hardest one of the hardest questions for me to answer because I feel like I have to like make up like something that regular human beings do. Um, but people ask like when I get the questions like, well, what do you do for a hobby? What do you what do you like to do for fun? Um, I mean, counselor asked that my uh, a few, you know, when you're in in the beginning stages of like trying the dating thing out and everything. But like I'm already, what do I like to do for fun? I like I'm doing that right now, like this. Um, when I couldn't sleep and I got up and I just like read through some things on the seven deadly sins and like read the history of certain stories and like that's what I <laughs> that's fun for me I like it I love it and I've um, somehow through everything I've managed to build a life where I can just do that all the time and it's awesome and that's not meant to be a brag it's just a realization that um, realigning or investigating my my values and my expectations is completely possible and can be done at any time and when I finally took the time to do it for myself I found that I didn't have very far to go at all and that's one of the things I wish for you I wish that you can take the time to see what role um, as we go along here each of these things plays in your life but you know I wish that that you can take the time to see what role lust jealousy or desire is playing in your life and how it might be clouding clouding your vision your soul how it might be holding you back from a very possible peace well I went on longer again I said as I said earlier I went on longer than I planned and um, there was a point looking back where I know I ran out of gas and probably could have gone on for a little bit longer but that will have to do um, I appreciate you being here I hope that you can find peace and I hope you do have everything that you need to do so. In my next episode, I will be hitting up the next sin on the list, gluttony, which will be an even more dangerous topic coming from a man living in the Midwest. So wish me luck. Thank you for listening. Just so you know, this podcast is available on Anchor, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, Breaker, Pocket Cast, Radio Public, and Overcasts. Please feel free to follow me and message me on Facebook at Yelling at Birds Podcast, at Yelling at B on Twitter, and Yabpod, Y-A-B Pod on Instagram. Of course, I would love to hear from you. I appreciate the comments so far, and I hope to continue earning your attention. Enjoy the rest of your day, and have a fucking beautiful week. And as, as always, stay fresh, cheese bags. <laughs>